City Life Church core values. Number one, we love God passionately. Number two, we are a family. Number three, we honor people. Number four, God is good. We did two weeks on God is good. Number five, anything is possible. Number six, we rest in the finished work of the cross. Number seven, we live generously. Eight, we serve wholeheartedly. Number nine, we value the family of Christ. I mentioned that here at the beginning. And number 10, we will go. We will shine the light and love of Jesus everywhere we go. So this week we're honing in on um, core value number six, which is we rest in the finished work of the cross. Um, and here, here's, our, here's our statement on that. And this is what you'd see if you looked at our website under our core values or if you came to the Belong class and looked at our core values. But it says, we rest in the finished work of the cross. The work of Jesus on the cross is complete. It purchased salvation, healing, both physically and emotionally, um, redemption, returning us to our created value. Let me read that one more time. The work of Jesus on the cross is complete. It purchased salvation, healing, both both physically and emotionally, and redemption, returning us to our created value. So today I want to hone in on the completeness of what Jesus did on the cross, the work of the cross. I might do a part two next week about specifically how we rest in that finished work. But a lot of, I think a lot of Christians don't fully understand. You know, Jesus said, we're about to take communion. I saved this for the end because I want to preach on the cross, the finished work of the cross, and then I want to participate in it by taking communion. Jesus said, when we take communion, do this in remembrance of me, right? Um, but I think a lot of us don't even know like what we're remembering. Like, okay, he died for us, but what all did that mean? What all happened? What all did he accomplish on Calvary? It's super important for us as believers to understand everything he accomplished. You know, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, you're a baby Christian at that point, right? So you don't understand a lot. You just know God's tugging on your heart. You feel this separation between him. You understand, I'm a sinner. I need, I need a savior. I confess my sin. I invite Jesus into my life. You don't really understand the fullness of the cross at that point. And it's like Jesus comes in, right, to our hearts. But then we spend the rest of our lives unpacking that truth. We, we spend our rest of our lives unpacking. And I, so many times I read the word, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, you see shadows and types of Jesus. In the New Testament, you see Jesus playing his day. And you're like, oh, man, that happened at Calvary, and that happened at Calvary, and that was a benefit of the cross, and that was a benefit of the cross, and it just keeps unpacking your whole life. That's what we're talking about today. So the finished work of the cross. Um, how many know that when you, when you have kids, my kids are getting to the age where they can start um, doing some more chores, some, a little bit of laundry, clean the, you know, dishes, clean their rooms, and many times they come to you and you're like, I'm finished. I'm done. You know, and they come to you and like, all right, I'm going to go inspect your work. Let's go see. Let's go see how done it is, how good it looks. You, you go, you look at their work and you're like, uh, you are not done. You know, there's that, that. What do you, what do you, why did you even call me up here? This isn't even close to done, you know. This isn't finished. This isn't complete. This isn't done, right? And of course, you got to teach them the right way. But listen, Jesus' work on the cross is finished. When Jesus was on the cross before he before he gave his life, Jesus said, it is finished. And then Jesus died. He rose on the third day. He ascended into heaven. And the Father inspected Jesus' work. And when the Father inspected Jesus' work, he said, indeed, it was finished. Indeed, it was complete. And indeed, you did complete it all. So I'm going to read a scripture here. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. This is Jesus on the cross, knowing, every, knowing that everything had now been finished so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so, so they soaked um, a sponge in it. 
put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant and lift it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up the spirit. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, to be continued. <laughs> Jesus said, it is finished. In other words, you don't like pick up where he left off. It's like, I'm going to get redemption 90% of the way, and then, and then the Christians after me, they're going to have to like clean up themselves the rest of the 10% of the way, right? He said, no, he didn't, do, he didn't say, it's almost done. They'll finish it later. No, he said, it is finished. In other words, you start at the finish line, right? We start in the Christian faith. We actually start at the finish line. Like Jesus doesn't make us half sons, half daughters. He brings us fully in, and we start at the finish line. I made a, I made a joke <coughs> this week with some people, but I, I, hey, by the way, I completed that 40-mile ultra marathon. So that was a, that was an ordeal. I had some highs, and I had some lows. I, I can't believe there were times of the race where I was like, this is so fun, this is great. Other times I'm like, why does anyone ever do this ever, ever, you know? But uh, my wife got like a five-second clip of me finishing the race, so I ran around this tree, and she got one of me at the beginning, too, like in the dark. Um, there's like five-second clip of me running around the tree, and then I'm done, and then I made a joke to some people like, yeah, I didn't actually run that race. I just ran around that tree and, then was, and ended the race. But I actually did run. Okay, so. But listen, with Jesus, we start, we start at the finish line. In other words, let me, let me say it this way. You are already loved. You are already valued. You are already accepted. You are already brought into the kingdom as sons and daughters with full access to the kingdom. You don't have to earn it or deserve it. So my goal today is to get you to think about the work of the cross from a new perspective. If you have that picture, J.D., go and throw that one up. I got an email this week from Wells Fargo trying to get me to use their you know, investment people. But the, I thought this was cool. Investing from a new angle. And it's, it's an angle from, from above. And listen, this is what it's like when we get a revelation of the finished finish work of the cross. We're not trying to live to heaven to be good enough for God. We're living from heaven to earth. Amen? And so we're not living, we're living from heaven to earth. We're not living for approval. We're living from approval, right? We're not living for victory. We're living from victory in Jesus. And I don't know if you guys have read this whole thing, but I'll, I'll give you a little, a little teaser. If you, if you skip to the end, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but if you skip to the end, um, well, we win. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if the Broncos are going to have a good season or the Raiders for the Raiders fans here is, but, but if you skip to the end, you'll find out that we actually win. And we want to invest our lives as we look ahead, invest our lives from a new angle, from heaven to earth. And listen, before my wife and I, before we started City Lights Church, we had our ups and we had our downs. We had our secure moments. We had our insecure moments um, starting this church. And I was talking to someone and, you know, we're like, should we do that? I want to start a church. Should we start a church? Is it going to work? Oh, many, so many churches fail. And someone looked at me and said, listen, if you knew you could not fail, what would you do? If you could live your life and you knew no matter what you did, you couldn't fail, what would you do? And I just thought, okay, that's good enough reason. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's jump off this cliff. But listen, I want to say in, in, in regards to our lives, Man, if you look at the end of the book, no matter what you do, no matter what you try, no matter what risks you take, no matter what you step out, like you've read the end of the book, like we win, okay? So uh, jump out, take a risk. It's going to be good. 
But listen, my wife and I, we didn't start City Lights Church for approval. We started City Lights Church because we believe we had approval, right? And we didn't, and then, by the way, I don't mean approval like approval to do the church. I just mean we were approved, loved, valued, and accepted already. So um, it's, it's the best thing in the world. All right, let's talk about this finished work of the cross that we're talking about. The title of my message today is called The Blood, the Body, and the Benefits. The Blood, the Body, and the Benefits. And then we're going to take some communion. Let's talk about those benefits. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. A very familiar portion of scripture to many of us. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not by works that we have nothing to brag about because we're saved, because it was all grace, right? The word saved there, the word saved there is the Greek word sozo. Everyone say sozo. The Greek word sozo means, it means saved, it means healed, it means delivered. The implications are, it's the complete package. It's body, it's soul, it's spirit. Um, so when it says, by grace you have been saved, it's not just talking about like someday we will get to heaven and we'll cash in on what Jesus did for us. No, it's talking about body, soul, spirit. Some of this is for here and now. And so in fact, I want to give you actually three scriptures where the same word sozo, the same word Greek sozo, was used. In one case, it was used for body. In one case, it was used for soul. And in another case, it was used for spirit. We'll start with spirit because that one's easy. Most people understand that. Romans 10, 9, again, a very, again, a very common and 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 famous verse, Romans 10, 9. This is one of my favorites. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The, again, the Greek word there is for saved is sozo. So this is talking about spirit, right? If you believe in your heart, that if, if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The gospel is that simple. The children down there can understand it. You can understand it. Amen? Okay. So let's talk about... Um, physical healing. Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. This is talking about the woman um, that had the issue of blood. It says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I could touch his cloak, I will be healed. I don't know if you guys have ever realized this, but like, why does she have to be so sneaky to like come up behind him and touch his cloak? Do you realize because of this woman's issue of blood because of this perpetual bleeding she had, she was ceremonially unclean. In other words, she was somewhat of an outcast in that society. She couldn't just sit in the, in the company of, of believers and, and talk to Jesus. She actually had to sneak up behind him to get her miracle because she wasn't accepted in that society. So she sneaks up. Jesus feels virtue flow from his body. She, he feels power flow from his body. Another translation says he, he looked to see where he felt power go from him. Where did, who touched me? Who touched me? And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Everyone's touching you. We're in a crowded room. But one particular woman reached out in faith, and there was, the, there was a withdrawal from heaven that happened at that moment. Jesus felt it through his body. So he, he finds her. He says, verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Yeah, she said, I'm sorry, verse 21. She says to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Look, look at this. He says, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. Listen, again, a woman who has probably been somewhat of an outcast because of being ceremonially unclean year after year after year is now being called daughter. First of all, he's ministering to her, her heart, right? 
Like, she gets healed, but he's also ministering through her heart, and he calls her daughter. That must have meant so much to her that someone was calling her daughter. You're valuable. You're accepted. Amen? Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that very moment. The word healed there is the word sozo. So this is an example of salvation, but say our bodies, there's redemption of our bodies. This is an example of her being healed in her body, okay? So we got spirit, we got body. Now let's look at the realm of the soul, which by the way, the realm of the soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. So it's your thinking, okay? That's the realm of the soul. There was a man in Luke chapter 8, there was a man who was highly demonized, um, the Bible says that he lived among the tombs and no one was strong enough to bind him. In fact, they said when they did bind him, he would break his chains. This man was out of control. Jesus, he encounters Jesus and, and Jesus casts this demon out of him. Demons, actually. Jesus said, what is your name? And actually, I think Jesus asked the man what his name was and the demons answered because the demon said, we are legion for we are many. And th- there's really no way of knowing how many demons this man was had, but the, the word legion, actually, it's a, a Roman army term. It means 6,000 infantry with additional cavalry. Okay, so like so at least 6,000 is like what, what a legion is. Now, I don't know what the number was, this man, but he was highly demonized. Lots of stuff, lots of critters going on in that man right there, <laughs> right? So the, <laughs> this is what happened after Jesus cast the demon out. It says, when those attending the pigs, because the, the demons went to the pigs, they ran down and they were drowned. When those attending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, because he wouldn't keep clothes on before, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Ever wonder why they were afraid? This is, this is why I think maybe they were afraid. The strongest man they had ever met now encountered a stronger man that delivered them. And they're like, if this happened to him, we don't know what he'll do from us. They didn't know Jesus was there to do good. But they were afraid. Verse 36, those who had seen it told the people how the demon, had, how the demon possessed man had been cured. The word cured there is the Greek word sozo. And so he was cured in his thinking when those demons were cast out. He's cured in his mind, his will, and his emotions. He was delivered. He was made whole. He was Sozoed, okay? And the book of Mark actually says that this man lived among the tombs, crying out day and night, like, and cutting, cutting himself with stones. Day and night, he's crying out, doesn't keep clothes on, he's crazy, cutting himself with stones. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a lot of, not only young generation, but a lot of young people who cut themselves. And if you don't know what that's all about, the reason why young people or people who are hurting or in pain cut themselves is because when you hurt yourself, there's a release of endorphins, there's a release of uh, hormones that help you cope with pain, and those hormones actually give you a high. And so when people are stressed and pain, anxiety, all that stuff, they cut themselves, there's a release of endorphins, and they feel happy for a moment. I was kind of Googling this last night to make sure I had my ducks in a row, but people would Google, like, why does it make me happy when I cut myself? Why do I feel good? When I cut myself, this man who was highly demonized was cutting himself. And uh, this is kind of a story to go along with this, but a few years ago, <clears throat> Emily and I were at a youth conference in, um, in Colorado Springs. We're helping out the youth group there at a youth conference. And we're, it was after one of the morning sessions. We're walking through the auditorium, and we see um, a hook blade on, 
on the ground. If you don't know what hook blade is, we'll just throw a picture of that. So we found one of those, one of those on the ground. Now there's no construction going on in this building. It's not like if you found a hook blade here, it's probably because carpet was being ripped up, right? But if you find a hook blade in a, in a building that hadn't had construction in a long time, there's an auditorium full of thousands of youth. We're thinking like, I wonder if someone's cutting themselves. I wonder if someone's hurting themselves to cope with pain. And so right there, Emily and I were like, Emily prays, God, I pray that we find the person that this blade belongs to. And so that afternoon, evening, there was their, their evening session. Some of our youth kids were out in the foyer, so we went out to tell them to get back in, you know. <laughs> and uh, our youth kids are out there, and they're talking with a girl. There's a girl out there, and, and Emily had a, a word for her, and had some things, some awesome things to minister to her, and we're praying over her. And as Emily started talking to her more and more, she finds out this girl was actually doing some self-harm, and Emily says, pulls out her purse, is this, is this your blade? And the girl says, yeah, I lost that this morning. Like out of thousands of youth, like God led us to the exact girl. We prayed, God, show us this girl so that we could minister to her. And listen, I'm not saying, not everyone who cuts themselves or hurt themselves or not everyone who's sick is demonized. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's true. This particular girl was, we started ministering or praying for her. She started manifesting demonically. I don't know if you've ever seen that or what that's like. It's not that, you know, it can be kind of spooky, but she was manifesting demonically. Now listen, when someone is demonized, a lot of times that the demonic influence will want to distract, will want to embarrass that person or whatever. So we're like, we got all the youth kids away because they're freaking out. We're like, it's good. Just go back in there. <laughs> go back in there. Now listen, we ministered to her and, and instead of just like commanding something to leave, I taught her about her authority in Jesus. I said, okay, you've received Jesus. Jesus lives on inside of you. Yes. We talked about this. I'm like, listen, if I pray for you and this thing leaves and you leave this conference and you go back to your shoes from a different state and this thing tries to come back on you, it might be able to come back on you and overpower you. But if I teach you your authority in Jesus, you'll be able to tell this thing to leave and it will never come back. And so I, I talked to her about, listen, you have God on the inside of you. You have authority over this thing. And when this thing comes on you and you feel like you need to cope and cut yourself in this depression, anxiety, and stuff tries to come on you, you have a weapon to tell this thing to leave in the name of Jesus. So, we, so what, I kind of led her in leading herself. We led her in leading herself to get this thing to leave her and get this thing off of her. And she was, she was set free. She was delivered. She was sozoed in her mind, will, and emotions. My point to you today is the work of Jesus on the cross it is body, it is soul, it is spirit. I don't know what you need today. My wife did a, a call to salvation, so we trust everyone here has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and in your spirit, you are saved. Some of you are here in your body, you're sick in your body. You need to be saved in your body. We're going to take communion. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna break bread, take communion, and we're going to believe that God will touch your body. There's things in my life I need God, I need God for, in my wife's life, in my daughter's life, that we need breakthrough for. Listen, some of you are here and you're tormented in your mind. You need to be set free in your mind. God wants to minister to you. We'll get to that in just a second. A couple more things I want to say about this. This is good, guys. The finished work of the cross. I was here last night kind of like looking at my notes and praying. And I was like, God, help me communicate. This is the most powerful truth in the whole world. And sometimes we reduce church to like 10 steps or three steps or three points or whatever. You know what I mean? And like, listen, it is the gospel. Like, like the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and the finish work of the cross, this is, this is what it's all about, man. It's just, this is the wisdom of God to us. And if you get this and you understand what God accomplished for you on the cross, man, we can live so much more freer and change this city so much more. We understand who we are. It's so good. good. So listen, 
Um, Ephesians chapter 2 eight, again, it says, For as by grace you have been saved, or sozoed, through faith. So listen, by grace, through faith, you're made righteous, or you're, you're made in right standing with God, right? By grace, through faith, you're made in right standing with God. But listen, it's also by grace, through faith, that your body is made whole. It's by grace, through faith. By grace, through faith, your mind, will, and emotions can be Set free. It's by grace through faith. Typically, we understand this when it comes to salvation. It's like, okay, it's not by works. It's by grace through faith. I receive Jesus. But listen, it's the same way with your body. It's the same way with your mind. We receive it by grace through faith. So healing, physical healing, emotional healing, it's not a wage paid out to someone who prayed harder and fasted harder, although those things are important. There's a place for those, fasting and prayer. But it's not a wage paid out to the person who, who fasted or was good. You know what I mean? It's the person who received it by grace through faith. Amen? This is the completeness of the cross. So, <clears throat> hundreds of years before Jesus came to walk the earth, the, the Bible prophesied about what the coming Messiah would look like, what he would do and what he would look like. In the book of Isaiah, this is several thousand years before Jesus ever walked the earth. And it's such a perfect picture of what Jesus came and did for us. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. It says this, surely he took our pain. The, the, the Hebrew word there literally means sicknesses. Surely he took our sicknesses and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, right? Jesus was pierced in the hands for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Wounds or other translations will say by, by his stripes. We were healed, right? Jesus was whipped across the back. By his stripes, we were healed. The, the literal um, Hebrew word here for wounds is it's wounds that cut in. So Jesus wasn't just whipped with like a whip. He was whipped with something that the cat of nine tails actually had either pieces of bone tied to it or metal. So when someone was whipped through it, it actually went into the flesh. And when the person pulled it away, it actually ripped, it actually ripped the flesh of that person. This is what Jesus did for us. Listen today, the, the blood that was shed for you, your redemption, and the body that was broken for you. These are cut nice little pieces, but Jesus' body was ripped for you. Verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. We all have churned and um, have gone our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. Everyone say this. All. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our sins, all of our trespasses were placed upon Jesus this, the salvation that Jesus offered is the complete picture. It's body, it's soul, it's spirit. So when, listen, when we get born again, we're cashing a check that was written 2,000 years ago on Calvary. When our mind gets renewed or we get delivered in our minds, we're actually cashing a check that was written 2,000 years ago on Calvary. When God heals our bodies, we're actually cashing a check that was written 2,000 years ago on Calvary. He paid for it there. In the Old Testament, when miracles happened, they actually looked forward. They were looking forward to the Messiah. Now that Jesus has come, we're actually looking back to what he did. It's kind of like if you went, in the Old Testament, they went to, it's like if you went to the grocery store and you're like, I'm going to take these items. Someone will pay for them later, right? <laughs> and then Jesus came and paid for them. Where, where our vantage point is like everything in the grocery store has been paid for and we just come in and take what, what belongs to us. Amen? <clears throat> so, the communion that we're about to take, the shed blood of Jesus, listen, the shed blood declares that you're in right standing, right relationship with God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, right? But the broken body, 
The shed blood of Jesus gets you into heaven. The broken body gets heaven into you. It gets heaven into your mind, into your will, into your emotions. Amen? All right. I have a thing on my note here that says at 11.20, I could keep going. If it's 11.30, I have to stop. And it's 11.21, so I'm going to say one more thing, and then we'll have the band come up here. <laughs> Last week, Pastor John Stocker wasn't here. Didn't he do a great job, you guys? Pastor John. And uh, he made a statement that I want to reinforce with a scripture. And he said, he said this, that sin doesn't separate God from us. It separates us from God. And here's why that's true. Well, God wanted a perfect, unbroken relationship with you. God, if you didn't know that, God wants a perfect, unbroken fellowship with you every day. If you didn't know that, that's why he created you. This is the way it was in the garden of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve walked. They were sinless as babies, had no consciousness of sin. They were naked and didn't even realize it like babies, right? That's what God wanted for them. When sin entered in, when they had sinned, um, who hid from who? Right? Did Adam and Eve hide from God or did God hide from Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve hid from God. And they ran from him. And they were separated. Adam and Eve were separated in their minds. But God was looking for them. Let me give you the scripture that will help reinforce this. Colossians chapter 121. It says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Your, our evil behavior alienates us in our minds from God. This is where the separation occurs in our minds. And by the way, if you're living life, um, the grace of God isn't just God's ability to cover over your mistakes. Actually, it's, it is that, praise God, that it's his grace to overlook and cover and, and there's grace for when we make mistakes, but it's also his empowerment to live holy. And so the other half of this thing is he gives us empowerment to live holy. But listen, when you're walking along the way and you stumble along the way, our tendency, come on, how many, how many are here? You mess up. Your tendency is to hide from God, isn't it? Your tendency is to run and like, I'm going to do penance now for three weeks and then I'll start having quiet times again because then I'll be good enough for God, right? Well, listen, if you broke your arm, you wouldn't wait three weeks to go to the doctor, would you? And little kids, you take them to the doctor, and they want to, like, no, they want to hide it because they're, they're afraid it's going to be a pain. But listen, we're the same way with God. We, we mess up. Many times we're like, no, we want to hide. We want to take it from him. Listen, we need, it, we need to bring it to him. It's like, Father, I, I messed up. I'm coming to you. Papa, I messed up. Will you heal me? Will you help me? Will you deliver me? He's a good Papa, and he wants to deliver you. All right, Colossians 122. It's the second half of this. We were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior, 122. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in whose sight? His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. accusation. Wow, a lot of words up here. Listen, because of what Jesus did, in God's sight, you are holy, blameless, and free from accusation. Just need to believe that. <laughs> you are free from accusation. Your sin was placed upon Jesus. So if it was placed upon Jesus, guess who was not placed on? Right. Like, your sin can't be on you and on Jesus at the same time. Like, but he buried the iniquity of us all, right? So listen, it's either on, he either took it or he didn't. It's either on him or it isn't. It can't be on you and on him at the same time. If he bore the iniquity of us all, that means he took it all, which should do this, which should remove guilt should remove shame, should remove condemnation, which should make us 
run up to our papa, like Wally runs up to Ben and Stephanie here, innocent as a baby. If he had no clothes on, he would run up to them as innocent as a baby, right? No, no consciousness of guilt, no consciousness of shame. That's what God wants for you. This is what the cross was for, is to remove guilt and shame completely from you. So that you can serve him, so that you can run with him, so that you can change this world. Amen? It's good stuff. So I just, this morning, I want to say, isn't it time you see it how God sees it? Isn't it time you see the finished work of the cross how he sees it? He came to take your sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we might walk holy, blameless, and pure. And when we stumble along the way, there's forgiveness, and it's a quick turnaround, and we're right back in his arms. Amen? It's good stuff. I'm going to have the, uh, uh, why don't we have the servers come up? So hopefully this morning, um, servers and worship team, and we'll, we'll close with this communion. Hopefully, as we take communion, it means a little more to you today. You understand a little more today about what Jesus provided for you. And I'm going to pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus, the body that was, that was ripped, God, the body that was pierced and crushed, God, for our iniquities and our transgressions, Lord, the blood that was shed to make us right with you, Lord God. We thank you that this blood symbolizes, Lord God, the restoration of a right relationship with you, Father God. But, but today, God, whatever the needs are, Lord God, spiritual, emotional, and our mind, will, and emotions, Lord God, or physical, God, I, I pray, God, that we would take this communion, Lord God, and believe for the completeness of the finished work of the cross in our lives, Lord God. We thank you, Father. You're so good to us. And God, also, as we're taking communion, I just, I just declare we remember our brothers and sisters at Generations Church that are across town. When one part of the body hurts, we all hurt, Lord God. And we're taking communion, um, God, in spirit with them, Lord God. And we just pray for them as well today. Give that church comfort and encouragement. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.